Welcome to the Dharma Spring. Kueshan asked Yangshan, Suppose that out of the blue someone said to you, All sentient beings have only boundless, disorderly consciousness, one thing after another, endlessly and with no foundation to rely on. How would you conduct an inquiry into this? Yangshan said, If someone like that came along, I'd call out, Hey, you! When they turned their head, I'd ask, What is it? And then wait while they think about it a bit. And then I'd say, Not only is consciousness disorderly and boundless, there's no foundation to rely on. Guishan said, Oh, good. Yeah, so this has been, you know, we're only halfway through this week with this koan, but it's been really, well, delightful. It's been fun hanging out with this. Um... I think most of us, maybe all, have experienced that to one degree or another, some more deeply than others. Um, so I've been wondering about, well, what's that? Why is this so, for me, why is this so funny and hilarious and kind of, ah, this koan? Because when I look at the koan and try to figure that out, I can't find anything that would that I can pinpoint and place it on. So in a way, the koan itself is presenting exactly what it's talking about in such a way that there is no foundation to rely on. There's nothing I can say, oh, it's because of that, it's because of this. It's all disorderly, one thing after the another, uh, one thing after another, and I can't find it. <laughs> and so it's, in a way, it really just brings forth exactly this. Or maybe it doesn't bring forth anything would be more the point. Therefore, we can be with exactly this, which is consciousness, disorderly and boundless. Um, that tries to figure something out, but can't quite get there. So in a way, it, it reflects the mirror right back to us. Gives us that to inquire into our own experience, yeah? And I notice... Like the most delightful moment of the koan every time, as I've read it and spoken it and listened to others speak it, is that, oh good, <laughs> at the end. Because <laughs> I don't, I can't figure out, well, what's that oh good about for Guishan? Yeah, what could that be? I mean, I know what it, what it could be. I have ideas, but I don't know what it is. Um, so one thing that comes to mind is, Often, when there's these conversations back and forth, sometimes, I guess more often than not, it's a student coming up to a teacher. Maybe that's not true. doesn't matter. It's kind of testing. I'm t somebody's coming up to test the other's understanding, you know. I want to see how you respond to this. Check you out. See how you're doing. 
either if it's a student talking to a teacher, it's like, well, let's see what kind of teacher you are. Or if it's a, you know, peers talking to each other, just people talking to each other. Or even a, a teacher talking to a student, you might just be checking in and, how's, how's your practice going? I'm going to test you to see, get a sense of how things are for you. Um, but that doesn't feel like that so much in this koan. It could be there. But that's not the strongest sense I get. So, the two options that I have, one I'd been with for a few days, and a new one popped up yesterday, so in chronological order. The one I'd been with for a few days is maybe somebody had come up to Guishan and said something like this. And he didn't really know, he tried to respond, he didn't know how to respond or something, so he went to consult Yangshan to say, how would you respond if somebody came up and did this? And it might have been that, well, somebody did this with Guishan, and because consciousness is boundless and disorderly, he didn't really know how to respond, so he's going to consult with his friend. How would you respond? And then, the oh good is maybe, um, that, well, that's kind of how I respond. That's how kind of how I took it. Because, really, he didn't give much of a response. He just repeated things. <laughs> and so maybe that oh good was like, yeah, I was in the same arena as that when I responded to this person who came to me. So that's good. So that kinship and companionship. Oh, yeah, we, we kind of did the same thing there. You know, that kind of thing. But then the newest uh, possibility for what might be going on was, is... Maybe it's Guishan coming up with, well, I've got this friend who wants to know. And so this is really Guishan wanting to ask his friend about his own experience of, you know, sentient beings, consciousness. I'm experiencing as disorderly and uh, boundless and nothing to rely on. But instead of saying it directly, he's acting like, well, I've got this friend who has this question. And so I wonder, how would you inquire into it, Yangshan? <laughs> you know, that indirect way. And Yangshan gives his response, again, to me just reflecting the situation, not really offering too much clearly. And the, oh, good, is kind of like, oh, yeah, you don't know either. <laughs> you don't know what to do about this either. Oh, good, because I don't, because my consciousness is boundless and disorderly. So it's another kinship and connection. Oh, good, you're just as lost as I. <laughs> that kind of uh, thing. So who knows what that oh good was about, but it's really, um, in the oh good I can feel relaxation, like, oh good, phew. If it's my own experience and I'm not able to make something out of it, oh good, I can relax because neither can Yangshan. <laughs> yeah. And that's the other thing, you know, the other arena of the koan is, is Yangshan really offering anything? When he's so, how would you inquire into this? He really, I mean, the the one moment that seems vivid in the koan is the, hey, you, and the person turning his or her head. But then once you go into, what is it? Well, things go back into the, ah, the shifty, tilty, uh, disorderly boundlessness. I'm trying to look at to, well, what is it? What is what? <laughs> what is my, looking at you? What, you know, all that kind of stuff happening.
And then it feels like Young Sean's just kind of making it up on the spot at that point, which is great. It's like he asked the person, what is it? And then he himself is like, hmm, well, what is it? What is the it? Maybe he doesn't even know what he's asking by asking what is it. And it feels like the way he says it, and this may just be my relationship to it, it's like the words just kind of tumble out of his mouth accidentally. He didn't had a, a strategy here. He doesn't have the strategy of, whenever somebody asks me a question, I'm just going to return the question to them. Yeah. It's just making it up as he goes, trusting that. And it feels like he's inquiring into his own responding here, too. And so the words come tumbling out, but he's paying attention to that. It's like, well, then I'd say not only is consciousness, you know, blah, blah, blah. So it feels like he's in that place of inquiry, just like Guishan may be wondering, how would you do this? Yangshan's, well, how would I do this? How am I doing this? What am I doing? I don't know. <laughs> and there's something freeing about that, yeah? And I mentioned briefly, you know, that person being called to, an imaginary person, which gets to be us when we hear, hey, you. It's like there's that one clear moment of, hey, you, and I respond. But then when I'm asked, what is it? I start looking and I don't know. What is what? That that just happened to what, what's happening now, you know, and I'm trying to figure out what's the it that's being spoken of and pausing to think about it, inquiring into it. So there's just a lot of inquiry in this koan, even though statements are put forwards in straight non-question marks at the end, <laughs> the main statement here. It really just opens up inquiry and wonder into what's going on and what is this, yeah. And somehow it's really good, this koan, at defying my mind's wanting to find a foundation to make sense of something and be able to say, aha, this is it. I can't do that. I can't find it, which is great, yeah. I don't know how it's happening, <laughs> but I appreciate that it is because it's uh, really, well, delightful, relaxing, freeing. Ah, I can't make sense of this. But then there's something that seems so clear and intimate. So clear and intimate, I can't even talk about it. I can't pinpoint it. That clear, that intimate, yeah. <laughs> so the people have shared things over the, the last few days, and I've had experiences too that have kind of shown how my mind, our minds want to find that foundation, find that something to rely on, that explanation, that meaning, whatever it may be. Um, thinking of... Carlos, your dream you shared yesterday evening, to me that was great. That it was, while you were sleeping, your mind was doing the thing of trying to find a foundation to rely on. Um, so briefly, the dream of being out and your, you know, your partner, to make it universal for people, your partner is hanging out with other people, not with you. And your mind, you're watching that, and your mind starts spinning a story. Well, what's going on? And starts assigning meaning to it. This means he or she doesn't want to be 
with meat right now, or would prefer to be with friends, that kind of thing. Then somebody else comes up, a stranger comes up to the, that group of people and starts asking, do they want to dance? And maybe asking your partner directly, and you can see her, him, kind of, oh yeah, I would like to dance, starting to come up. And another story spins about what that might mean. <clears throat> and emotions can get wrapped up in that. What it might mean about that person, what it might mean about you. But then your partner says, oh yes, to the stranger, and then walks over to you and says, let's go, let's dance. And right in that moment, takes you out of all those foundations that you were building. <clears throat> says, you can be free of that. Just dance. Nothing to rely on. <laughs> or, I mean, that's that was great that it, you know, the beauty of the dream is that it just broke through all the foundations that were being built because they were not real. And when that happens, it's, it's great. Sometimes those foundations can get too solidified and we can't accept the invitation to dance because we're like, well, what about this? What about that? We get hung up on it. So it was really great that moment. You want to, yes, I want to dance. And it's chum with you. And we just say yes and hit the floor. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. And then I, the other day, I noticed my mind doing the looking for meaning, trying to find a foundation. Um, I noticed when I do like kind of rote activities, mowing the lawn, this was putting away dishes. And um, spoke about it the other night during my Dharma talk under the influence of a different story. But um, when I'm doing those kind of activities, my mind will keep itself occupied by spinning stories or perseverating. You know, it'll do something that's interesting to know that that happens. And, um, so the, uh, the other morning, putting away the dishes... I suddenly was considering, you know, some people that I know and a recent happening with them that lit up this kind of pattern of behavior that had been going on for many years that I was just beginning to see a glimpse of this the other morning. Going, oh, there's this pattern of behavior that keeps happening. And maybe that means something, and maybe it confirms my ideas about what I'd been, hmm, about for many years. And I started to just really not get too emotionally invested. It's more just, aha, Eureka, I found something. And then I noticed my mind kind of perseverating on that, which is what it does. And then I was like, oh, when my mind perseverates like this, and I'm focusing on something, it might be... It's usually that there's something else going on within me that I'm trying not to look at. So my mind is distracting me and pulling me off into uh, focus on this, look at this, tell a story about this. So then I shifted my focus to what am I trying to avoid in myself? What am I trying to not acknowledge or what is not being acknowledged about me that my mind's trying to cover up? So that was just trying to shift the foundation Instead of the meaning being in the situation, now the meaning is me doing something about that situation, and I'm trying to avoid something, and you know whatever it might be. I got curious about that, but then I just noticed, huh? What I just said. I'm trying to find a foundation here instead of just let it be open and free without meaning. And um, 
because it feels secure to have a foundation and an explanation and assigned meaning, but didn't feel as free. So that was able to fade away, and then I was just finishing up putting away the dishes and not trying to figure out the meaning of people's actions, my own actions, but also not dismissing them, just noticing that they're there, inviting me to inquire into them, yeah, to be more curious about it rather than certain, yeah. And then here, in, you know, working with a koan sometimes, um, a koan like this, which doesn't give us a foundation to rely on <laughs> or something solid to hold on to, there's many ways of responding, but one way of creating a foundation to rely on when we're not given one from a koan like this is to, in a way, reject the koan. It's like, oh, this is too weird. I'm just going to sit here and not think about it. Or I've got too much going on in my life to worry about this right now. And in a way, we're inviting the koan to sit next to us, but not really... We're not inquiring into it. The inquiry, you can feel it's kind of stopped when that happens, when we kind of say, oh, I'm not want to deal with that. Which isn't a problem, because then we can inquire into, hmm, what am I doing? What's that about? <laughs> so the inquiry can keep going, just instead of in the koan realm, it's about me not inviting the koan in. Yeah. So that's one thing that can happen. It's like, oh, I've created a foundation. What's that about? What might, what might be uneasy for me here? What's the invitation that I'm declining? Could be the an inquiry. Another thing is to put a spin on the koan. And, you know, when it's a koan like this that doesn't give you anything to rely on, if that feels uneasy to me, I might spin it to say, but I like that. That's freeing. That's open. It's like being in a peaceful meadow. It's like, okay, that may be true, but I have to pay attention. So I get to inquire into that. Is that really my experience? Or is that the spin I'm putting on my experience to avoid feeling ungrounded? Yeah? So in a way, it's 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 not rejecting the koan, but it's uh, changing the flavor of the koan to suit me. That could be happening. So I get to wonder. And that, that's the harder one. When it's a positive thing, it's harder to inquire into it <laughs> because I don't want to necessarily dismantle that, yeah. So it's interesting to notice that. Is my response really happening now or is this something that I'm, again, spinning and adding to the situation as a way of not staying uncomfortable, not staying open? And that takes time because I can notice... Well, if it's a pattern I have, if I do that with koans often, then it might be me <laughs> and not necessarily a genuine response, yeah. So, at the end, I think, regardless, there's no lack of opportunity to inquire into things. Whether we feel we have no foundation or whether we have the feeling of having a foundation, we can keep wondering, well, so what's that about? Or what is it? What is it? As in the, uh, the koan's question. Not to arrive at a foundation and an answer and a meaning, but just to keep us engaged and curious and wondering, yeah? So, somebody at one point during these past few days talked about 
no foundation being the foundation. And it looks like Catherine just chatted in. Can having no foundation be a foundation of sorts? So exactly what I'm about to speak of. Um, and that gets complicated. If I'm making it a rule to have no foundation as a foundation, that's not no foundation. It's a no foundation foundation. <laughs> but can I allow the experience of no foundation or my actual experience of groundlessness? Can I allow that that's enough? Which is really to lean into whatever is there. So instead of being no foundation, it's no fixed foundation, no regular foundation. But always something to lean into, and that's just what is happening, what is, yeah? Um, so the Tao Te Ching had come to mind a couple of things around the, the no foundation idea, proposal. And I'll, there's two different verses I'll bring in. This is uh, chapter 11. Thirty spokes gathered at each hub. Absence makes the cart work. A storage jar fashioned out of clay. Absence makes the jar work. Doors and windows cut in a house. Absence makes the housework. Presence gives things their value, but absence makes them work. This is a David Hinton's translation. He just keeps bringing up absence, absence, absence. Um, other translations will say, like, the 30 wheels on the, on the spokes around a hub, it's the center hole where nothing is that makes the hub, makes the wheel work. And that pot fashioned out of clay, it's the empty space, the hollow within it, that's useful. Yeah? So that absence, that's, it requires presence, it requires things to be there for there to be nothing there. <laughs> but it's really, we might think we're depending upon the structured thing, but it's, and that's true. That's what the value is, according to the last statement. The value is the thing that's structured, but what makes it work is what's not there. Yeah? The openness. The no foundation. And that's not an, like non-existent foundation, it's just an open, alive, workable, nothing, absence. Yeah. Then, I'm just going to read the last portion of chapter 20. Lao Tzu writing about himself. People all have enough and more, but I'm abandoned and destitute. An absolute simpleton, this mind of mine so utterly muddled and blank. Others are bright and clear. I'm dark and murky. Others are confident and effective. I'm pensive and withdrawn, uneasy as a boundless sea or perennial mountain winds. People all have a purpose in life, but I'm inept, thoroughly useless, and backward. 
I'll never be like other people. I keep to the nurturing mother. And this nurturing mother he's speaking of is the source of all things, the dark mysterious or the dark female enigma. Endlessly giving birth to all things. And that's where he says, I'll keep to that. Keep to that place where things are being birthed, where they're emerging, not yet fixed, not yet with names and purposes and ideas. Open, a simpleton, no foundation to rely on, but not lacking any foundation at all because you're there in that infinite, endless birthing, burgeoning forth of all things, yeah, within and beyond ourselves. Hmm. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. I like that because that, that's that relaxed quality. When he's like, another version says, I'm like an idiot, I'm so dull. When I read that from Lao Tzu of all people, I'm like, oh, great. I know that too. <sighs> How sweet to be an idiot, as uh, Neil Innes sang. <laughs> from the Monty Python realm and beyond. Um, yeah. That's a very encouraging <laughs> chapter about being stupid and dull and without purpose and ah, I'm inept. I know that. I can relax now. If the sage of Taoism can celebrate being so, then perhaps it's good enough for me. <laughs> Maybe good enough for you too. Check it out. Look into it. See what you find. Thank you for listening. For more about Andrew Palmer and his teachings, please visit bowandroar.com and look for him on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.